This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hi folks, welcome along to another episode of Looking Under the Hood. I'm Scott Malcolm and we're unpacking the money stuff. I often talk on this podcast and literally to anyone who will listen that the one commonality that we do share as human beings are that we're born into this financial system that we live in. We're emotional human beings and we try and navigate the financial or money system often without any formal education, training and also without understanding the deeper habits, attitudes and behaviours that uh, we, we pick up along the way. Today I'm excited to be joined by Brendan Fraser, who is founder of Wired Planning and also host of the podcast, The Human Side of Money. Brendan has been interviewing experts around the world, talking to like-minded advisors and was named in Investopedia's top 100 financial advisors list for 2021. One of the things I love on his website is plans and pie charts don't change lives, people do. Welcome along, Brendan. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Joining us from Nashville as well, for those listening uh, in Australia. I was going to throw in a, a Keith Urban reference, I think, for, for our Aussie yeah. uh, listeners. Is he, is he a neighbor or does he live nearby? <laughs> you know, he's not a neighbor, but I've seen him at the at the local Whole Foods a handful of times. But we, we actually see uh, Nicole a lot more than we see Keith. I mean, when I say a lot, it's not like we see him regularly by any means, but they're out they're out and about and around more so than most. But by all accounts, he's a he's a good guy. But if nothing else, he makes great music. Yeah, definitely. Look, Brendan, I've been asking all my guests uh, one question as they uh, enter the podcast. What's one of your early money memories that you've got? I, I think that's a great question. I love that question because so often when we're talking about money, when we think about money, when we're conversing about money, it's just it, we don't tend to focus on the the joyful and the happy things, right? Like it just feels like so often the money conversation can be stressful. It's something that we try to avoid. We're talking about how to rein in spending, like how to delay gratification. Mm-hmm. So I just it, first and foremost like the fact that this whole thing kicks off with a question around like positive emotions and and the positive side of of money because it does it is there and it does exist and it sets the foundation and a and a framework for the conversation in a positive light. I've had in the past few episodes and in some of the conversations I've had recently, we've dealt, we've done a lot around diving into past experiences with money and, and what that looks like, how you experience money in your childhood, how it impacts the, the way that you look at, the way you think, feel, and behave around money today. And so what's kind of mm-hmm. funny about this whole thing is that I don't, like personally, I'm sitting there listening to people tell these things or talk about these things and trying to think through it. But from I'm like doing a little bit of work on myself, like trying to uncover. And I, it started to make me realize like I've never really done a lot of work on this myself. I've never really explored my money memories. Um, and it's been an eye-opening experience for me to realize it is hard work. It is something that's difficult to do mm. to go back and think about money as a, as you experienced it when you were younger. So I think the one that's come to mind most often is just the way that I experience joy around giving when it comes to like birthdays and holidays. I don't think this is anything different than what most people experience. You hear people talk about it all the time, mm. right? But I remember like kind of for the first time when I was a kid, when I was more excited to give somebody a gift at Christmas than I was to actually get my own gift. Right. And so like that may not be just a direct money experience, but it's an experience around the concept of 
giving and using your money to give and then realizing that it's kind of powerful that it's counterintuitive to think that you would enjoy using your money to give somebody something than getting something yourself. And then the second thing I think about that I think's formed my uh, values and beliefs around money today is my family always placed a, placed a high priority on uh, experiences. Like we go to Disney World every other year with our family. Yeah. We'd go to a lot of baseball games growing up. And so I see those same patterns in my life today where I place a high value when it comes to money on on family experiences and the joy that comes with that. And I think that ties back directly to, to how I was raised. What I love about those questions as well and, and that journey of, of self-discovery, if we're going to call it uh, or, or put some labels on it, is that it is a, an evolving thing. And I'm look, look I came across the, those questions uh, in the US uh, probably uh, 2007, maybe, uh, with George Kinder. And so did some training with George Kinder on the seven stages of money maturity and it just opened my my mind to that and it is it's an evolution and it's an evolving thing and i, I think that's the richness of it in that the money stuff it, it doesn't just stop it's that that growth journey along the way which is which is really fascinating yeah even asking that question right it's one of those questions that i don't spend a whole lot of time on thinking or thinking about myself and so it takes mm -hmm. not just creating the space to think about it but then also like doing the work to try to think about it right like try like forcing myself mm. to sit there and explore that which is why i think it's most helpful. like the, the where i do the best exploration is when i have a third party there helping me like go deeper on it right so that's why i think it's helpful yeah. to have somebody even if it's like my spouse sometimes you can help me go through it too right like helping me yeah. help pushing me to go a little bit further so Look, yeah. I, I love your podcast, and I, I guess that's why I wanted to get you along to, to come and chat today because, uh, I mean, you've really interviewed some really uh, amazing people from, from what I've heard, and, and I love the, your interview style as well. Um, I'm having a bit of a, a fan guy moment or something at the moment, but um, <laughs> I guess what, what are some of the, the, the best lessons or some of the, the best sort of um, stories you've come across so far among the people that you've interviewed? Yeah, that's that's one of the, the most my favorite, but also most difficult questions, right? Like when you when you interview th that many people that have that much wisdom stored up, and you're spending, you know, I do long form episodes, you're spending all that time unpacking mm. like their wisdom, that you start learning mm. a lot. But for those people that don't know, like the show is all around ex like talking to experts in behavior and psychology and communication and emotion to figure out like how money how as emotional human beings money influences us influences us impacts us and the decisions that we make so i guess this shouldn't be surprising but as i've been asking people like what their eye opening moment was to realize like the power of uh, behavior and psychology when it comes to money more often than not the guests none of them started with this idea of like hey it's the personal side, the human side, that's really important when it comes to money because it's so counterintuitive, mm -hmm. right? We, we all think that the mastery of money and the financial success should involve like knowledge and investment. That it should be something that we can put on a spreadsheet and calculate. But all these people come on, come along and they're like, hey, I started off in, in finance. I started off in investments. I started off in financial services, helping with the money side, right? Like helping people with the strategies to, to, to achieve the goals that they wanted. I help people uh, put together the plans that they needed. I help people answer their technical money questions. And then they all had this evolution where they went from 
like in that working in that role where they're delivering knowledge to realizing that it wasn't just knowledge that led to results, that it was actually like dealing with the person and the person's beliefs and, and their behaviors and their mindsets and their motivations. That was actually the greatest predictor of financial success. So every guest in of themselves has, has delivered some sort of like revelation or aha moment. You could turn it into just, you know, yeah. endless wisdom. The fascinating part has been this common thread where everybody says, I started off thinking it was just about balance sheets and budgets, but it turns out it's more about your brain and your behavior. I started off thinking it was about spreadsheets. turns out that it's more about the stories we tell ourselves. And so just hearing that, sure, I'm in a bubble, but just hearing that over and over and over again, it's kind of been an eye-opening yeah. experience. I often say it's that sort of head and, head and heart space. And um, yeah, I think people innately roll into a financial planner's office to think oh yes we're going to talk about the money so they armor up and they go yep okay here's all my my balance sheet and here's here's all my bank account balances um but yep. actually once you disarm them and, and put all that stuff aside it's actually about two human beings connecting at a human level and at that heart-based level to say well actually what's important to you yeah well i think it's important to say too just like when i go meet with the doctor i right? like I'm pretty much expecting to talk about my health. When I go to the dentist, I'm like thinking about my, my teeth and my mouth. And, and so it mm. makes sense if you think about it through that lens, right? But like, but ultimately at the end of the day, like your teeth serve a purpose. Your teeth are there to do what they're supposed to do. So you talk yeah. about teeth, right? Like, but money is, money is nothing more, nothing less than a tool to fund the life that you want. To live, so you you commit people. We come in. You think about money through the through the terms or through the lens of a balance sheet or a budget, but it's you got to map it over to the things that are meaningful in your life, right? Like to to, the, mm-hmm. to figure out how that's going to translate into the to fund the life that you want to live. So it's not wrong to come in and think, hey, mm-hmm. I'm with a financial advisor. My mind is on money, right? But like there comes a point where you have to realize what's the purpose that money is serving. I guess talking on that, are there insights around I don't know, common mistakes that, that you have seen or repeating themes that you've seen that sort of come across through the, the variety of people that you've interviewed along the way? Yeah, I think so. I think it's sort of, well, there's a bunch of things that you could, that we could probably unpack here. I'll go, I'll go with the one that always comes up as maybe one of the most influential and most important, right? and that is there's this gap that exists between our current and our future selves. Right. Like, so if, mm. if you're doing if you're working with money, like it's, it's not something that can often provide instant gratification. Right. You're usually looking out into the future, trying to trying to plan for an unknown future, trying to plan for a future that's going to change. And there's research that shows that your your future. So we look at our future selves as nothing more than a stranger. Right? So like the decisions yeah. that you're making today you would, would are basically you feel as compelled to make them for your future self as you would for like the neighbor that you don't even know. And so when you start thinking about it like that, it's like, wait, hang on, hang on. Uh, so I'm, I need to make decisions to benefit that person that I don't really even know by giving up what I really want in the moment. Right. So like it's this gap that exists. And most of the time we don't even realize that the gap exists and we think that we're way better at controlling our, our emotions and our behaviors than, than we like to believe. And so the, the, one of the keys, one of the biggest mistakes people make is, number one, underestimating their own ability to follow through, to act on behalf of their future selves. But number two, and the second piece, that probably the most important piece is when it comes to money, we generally don't spend enough time diving in, 
honing in, clarifying, getting specific and vivid on what it is that our future self on what it is that we want in the future. And there's this connect, there's the studies that have been done that show the number one predictor of, of financial success, mainly through savings behavior, but savings is a big fuel for financial success. The number one predictor has nothing to do with your age, has nothing to do with the, your level of education. It has nothing to do with your income. It has to do with your mental time horizon and how closely you connect to your future self. And the key to connecting to your future yeah. self or the, or the path to more connection starts with getting a more vivid, clear, specific vision of what you want your life to look like. So for example, instead of saying, let's say, let's take retirement. So retirement is something that like uh, everybody kind of thinks about and plans for. It's something that they all want to get to eventually, right? Because we think that there's freedom that comes with retirement. Such a loaded word. <laughs> Such it a is. Loaded and word. Speaking, uh, speaking of other, yeah. like a whole episode for another podcast, mm -hmm. that would be another topic. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. but the, the problem is, is if you ask the uh, 45 or 50-year-old person, let's say, let's say couple, who's got kids where they need to pay for college that they've, and they've got these expenses that come up every month. Like you ask them what they want to, what they want to work towards or they want to work towards retirement. It's like, okay, well, if you're talking about just this general word of retirement versus I need to like live in the moment and make sure my, I take care of my kids and provide for their education. So they're better off than I will be. Think about that. And you're like the, the emotion when you hear that are, is, is on two different levels, mm -hmm. right? So, on one hand, I need to live in the moment. I need to survive. I need to take care of my kids and I need to enjoy where I'm at in life. On the other hand, the trade-off is retirement. And it's like, wait, hang on. Well, of course you're not going to do what you need to do to get there because think, I mean, just listen to how different those things are. But what's different is not starting with retirement. What's different is if you say, what I want my life to look like is I want the ability to do what I want when I want with the people that I love. I want to get specific. I want by the time I'm 60 to take my entire family with my kids and grandkids if I have them. To, I want to take my family to Disney World. We want to go twice a year. We want to stay in the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. We're going to go visit these parks. We're going to eat at these restaurants. And so we start think now we're starting to think through exactly where we're going to be, who we're going to be doing it with, right? The, where we're going to be going. And now it's a, a visceral, real, vivid, specific example to compete with the, the pressure in the moment that comes with, like we said, living, mm -hmm. surviving the here and now. That's exactly right. So number one thing you can do to avoid making mistakes or to change the trajectory of your financial future is to start getting really clear and, and vivid and descriptive about what you want your life to look like, what you want your future to look like and what you want money to accomplish in that future. That is so powerful. And, and as you say, getting to that point where you can actually feel the excitement of, of jumping on that plane or getting the family together as you're rolling through the gates of, of, of Disney World. Like it's it's getting to that point of, of um, intention and intent behind it. So you actually go, as you say, weighing it up uh, against the here and now. And, and listen, I think it's important to say too, like there's no shame in not having done that. All right, like you're probably thinking, wait, people haven't done that. But the majority of people, that's simply not the case. I think you and I could probably attest it, but when you work with clients and hear and talk with clients on a daily basis, like that's a big part of the of our job is creating the space and giving them the, the space that they need to have those conversations, to have those moments, to get to that place. Because most people just, even though they know they should, don't get there on their own. <laughs>
from that, I guess, what are some of the, the practices or some of the, the things that you've you've come across or that you do yourself that, that people who are starting out or people who are, who've, are on that journey can start to think about bringing into their, their day-to-day when it comes to the money and just unpacking some of that connection between their present-day behaviors and then where they want to be going? So typically in this scenario, when people think, hey, uh, I'm, I'm getting started out, I want to start like maximizing and optimizing my money and my finances. The first thing you see people do is they start like looking up what type of account should I invest in? You know, what should I be invested in? Do I need to be invested in cryptocurrency? Like, okay, what, what budget tool should I use? What, what's, well, how should I, is there a template for a spreadsheet on how I can like plan out my investments and where my money's flowing? And I wonder if once I get to sell C3 and it, and it equals this number, then I'll be happy. And it's like, you know what? None of those things matter until you know like your values in life and the vision that you have for your life and the goals that you have for your life because that's what fuels all the money decisions. And so it's one of those things where everybody wants to know tactically what to do. Well, you need to know a little bit more about your vision, your family, your future before you can make those decisions. You have to get that part right too, right? The numbers still need to match up. The numbers still need to line up. Uh, but the most important thing you can do is figure out the things that are most important to you in your life. And I always say this, uh, goals shift, but values persist. So it's not just about saying, Hey, I want to buy a house because, and you might, and you may always want to buy a house, but it it may not be like, Hey, I want to go on this vacation. And that's something that's helpful to shoot for, but start by focusing on the things that don't change, right? Like the things that'll probably stay true for as long as you live. And so it's, we call it the Amazon principle because, what Amazon did, when we talk about staying true to the things that are most important, Amazon always said that despite all the industry change around us, we're going to focus on two things. People always want fast delivery and they want low prices. It's hard to imagine a world where somebody wants slower delivery and they definitely want higher prices or they'll value higher prices. So when you're thinking about your money, think about the things that don't change. So as an example, I'll, get, I'll use... Uh, my wife and me, as an example, when we start thinking about the things that aren't going to change in our lives, one thing is we value being around, being close to, and being with our family, right? So when we went to buy a house a few years ago, we had a choice. We could buy this house that was five minutes down the street from where I'm at now, at my in-law's house. It was five minutes down the street from this house that cost way more than the house that we could have bought that was 20 minutes away but we had this value of family or this value of being close to family. Right. And so it's not a comfortable decision, but the one thing I know is not going to change is that wanting to be near and close to, to our family. Now, granted, we didn't buy a house we couldn't afford. Let's get that out there too. Right. But we didn't go out and buy a house because it was going to be a lower mortgage. We didn't go out and buy a house that was maybe like the financially ideal or optimal thing to do. We bought a house that fit into our budget that also aligned with our values, right? And so there's like probably a lot of people out there that would say like, wow, why would you do that? It's only 20 minutes. But we knew that that was one of the most important driving factors for us was wanting to be, especially because we were having kids, was wanting to be near our, near our family. So there's a difference between what makes sense on a spreadsheet yeah. and what makes sense when you're, when you're dealing with money in real life. You're right. I, I often think the the G word being the goals word is often uh, a bit uh, triggering as well, or one of those big sort of weighted uh, things. But as you say, if you're true to yourself and you know your values, it's building your framework around what what's important, and then looking at the financial consequence on the back of that to say, okay, well, does this then make sense? Does it actually hit the numbers that we need it to hit at the end of the day? 
Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So let me give an example if it's okay of another yeah. value that's not family. Because I think most people think, okay, cool, I can probably come up with that one on my own. So what's an example yeah. of something that you may not be, it may not be as um, intuitive. Okay, so uh, we have a, I have a client who we've kind of identified that what they value is convenience, which means like, hey, I, I want somebody to mow my yard for me, right? They even went as far as to have somebody come and do their laundry for them, right? I've heard stories of people that won't take uh, suitcases on planes because they want to have their luggage shipped so they never have to touch a suitcase because it's so inconvenient. So inconvenient, right? So the level of, of convenience can go on a wide spectrum, right? Like, for me personally, like my worst nightmare is having to spend an hour on a Saturday fixing anything in the house. Also, I'm terrible at it. So that's a fact. Too. But yeah. <laughs> I know that I value convenience. Right? So I'll spend on convenience without thinking about it because, I mean, again, mm-hmm. within the confines of the budget, but I know that's what I value. And so I'll spend on that. But I don't, there's other things out there that I don't necessarily value. Like I don't really care about having the nicest clothes. I do love um, Ramit Sethi. I think his book, uh, I Want You to Be Rich, um, he, he talks about money in a very different way in that he's saying to people, well, budgeting, like don't cut everything back, but actually spend money on the things that, that bring you joy and that, that actually make you happy. So I think that's such a, a powerful yeah. thing as well. Yeah, I think he says spend extravagantly on the things you love, cut mercilessly on the things you don't. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Brendan, we, we do try and keep these uh, episodes short and sweet, so uh, I, I could have this uh, chat with you for, for many hours, uh, I'm sure. But look, I, I love your rapid-fire questions that you use to wrap up your podcast, so I, I want to use them uh, in a nice way, of course, against you, uh, if you're up for that. Yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> no one's ever turned these around on me before, and so I've kind of gotten away with never having to spend the time thinking about them, so this was a bit of a challenge for me. But yeah, hit, hit me with these questions. I think I'm ready for them. Question one, uh, roundtable discussion, I believe it is, with three people talking money, behavior, psychology. Who are you going to have at your, your roundtable or dinner party? Let's make it a dinner party. Gosh, I, I, I kind of feel bad that I ask people this question now because I get how hard it is. But I think so I would have Morgan Housel, who wrote the book, The Psychology of Money, in one seat. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits in the second seat. Yeah. Brad Klontz. He's like famous for money scripts and a lot of the work that he does uh, in the third seat. And then I would actually like rent a fourth seat. People do this to me all the time, by the way, so I have no hesitation. Doing it. And I would put Daniel Crosby in the fourth seat because Morgan Housel's got some of the best thoughts around like what goes on in your mind when it comes to money of anybody out there, just generally speaking. James Clear has he doesn't write about money specifically, but he talks about like how to put structures and, and, and mechanisms in place in your life to affect change. So once you decide, hey, I need to start saving X amount per month to get to this goal, it's, it's one thing to know you need to do. It's another thing to follow through. He talks about the mechanisms and, and things to put in place in your life to make sure you follow through, uh, whether it's money or health or whatever. The third seat, Brad Klontz, he's one of the best out there that I know of that helps really dive into your past with money. So now we're talking about like James Clear's helping you with your future. Brad Klontz is helping you with your past. And then Daniel Crosby, because 
ultimately one of the biggest behavioral challenges when it comes to money is is when it comes to your investments and all the behavior uh, the biases that come into our mind around investing like thinking that you're better than you are which most people do uh, weathering the storm when you're freaking out thinking that things will never turn around and so he's got some of the best insights out there on um helping you realize that you're not as great as you think you are, but then also what to do about it. So I, there would be four people there, but they're all all for a reason. I love it. And I think you could uh, definitely sell tickets to that event. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Question two you ask is, uh, gift one book to someone who wants to understand money and emotion. What would that book be if you're going to gift it to someone? So this is the, I realize this is the hardest question. And what I didn't want to do was I didn't want to double up on a roundtable person and the book. But if we're talking about just one book for somebody that wants to start and know more, I think you have to start with The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I mean, I think A, because he articulates in a way that makes so much sense. Uh, But I'll add the book that's been mentioned more than any other book on the show at this point is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Never read it, but it comes up so much that I feel like I should at least mention it. Let's just leave it at those two then, just because I'm already going past the one book, The Psychology of Money, and then because it gets mentioned so much, it's it's Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And question three, the best listener in your life and what they do to make them a a good listener? And, And I absolutely love that question. Well, thanks. Um, and now you don't have to mention your wife. Can we, can we say outside of your partner? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, so based on some of the responses I'm starting, I'm going to start putting that in there, I think, is like, if your spouse is a great listener, there's probably a reason that you're still married. Uh, and my <laughs> wife is a great listener, I'm a, but I'm going to go a different route because I was really trying to think through, like, who is it that when I'm with them, when I'm talking with them, I feel seen and heard and I feel like I I think the mark of a good listener is where you feel like you could just keep talking without even thinking about it. Like you're just all of a sudden Mm -hmm. pouring out all the stuff that you wouldn't do on your own. There's something about that person that gets you to do that. So I'm trying to think like who gives me that feeling of like I want to talk more. But also, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to stop because I'm I'm like I'm basically rambling at this point. And this is kind of a it's an it's an, an important, appropriate answer. It'll feel a little bit like a cop-out maybe, uh, but it's definitely by far and away uh, the therapist that my wife and I go see. I don't know that I talk more open-endedly than I do when we go talk to her. But then again, right? Like she's, she's, that's literally what they're there for. That's what they're trained to do is get that information out of you and, indica- and like make you feel like you're being heard. But the way that she just like mm. locks in nods her head at times, tilts her head at certain points when she wants you to talk more, gets a little bit closer. You can see that my emotion reflected on her face. And then she'll all, almost always, like when I'm done saying something, she'll repeat back to me what I said to make sure that she understood it. And so I'm going, yes, 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 that's exactly right. But sometimes she'll say it in different words, right? So like, I'll say one thing, she'll come back saying exa- basically what I said, but kind of framing it in a way that makes more sense where I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I meant to say. That's exactly right. Um, and then she, and then she, from there, she'll ask a follow-up question that's then like, not only did I hear you and understand you, but I'm going to now tell you I want to know more by asking a follow-up question. And the next thing you know, I'm tell, I'm, it's like the, our 50 minutes is up and I'm sitting there going, where'd the time go? So that's my answer, but probably not surprising given that that's what she's supposed to do. 
But I, I, I love I love that, and, and thank you for sharing that, Brendan. I think that's a, a very powerful uh, uh, thing to share. And uh, again, I, I, again, my, my partner and I have, have been uh, and, and see a, a counsellor and, and things at times, and so that that space is very uh, is, is very privileged. But uh, again, though those uh, the gutturals, the the space, just the the mirroring of, of being able to hold that space, I think is such yeah. a powerful thing. So uh, yeah, thank, thanks for sharing that. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm glad to share it. I, and I appreciate somebody finally turning those questions around on me because it made me finally put the time and effort into it to think about what I would say. So, Well, look, I, I, it's been great having you along and I've really in, enjoyed the conversation and the chats. And as, as we've said, we could probably go on uh, for many hours talking about this stuff. But look, I'll, I'll throw all, all your contact details in the resource and, and the show notes uh, for this episode and really have enjoyed having you along. So thanks so much, Brendan. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me and, and thanks for all the work that you're doing to make the, well, really the, the community and the world a better place. Thanks everybody for listening. It's been great. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts and, uh, and please share it as well. Uh, great to have you along and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.